Good evening, Patriots. And it is a evening, indeed, Thursday evening, in fact, June 16th. On the East Coast, you're already into Friday. It's a blessed Friday to you all. And we're just watching so much around us so rapidly fall apart. And I think much of this is due to the fact that it was ready to fall apart. And what we're seeing now is just the house of cards falling into place. We're going to talk a little bit about that as we go. Make sure you're taking good care of your immune system. You've got to boost your immune system when you can. So that's where Expedition Coffee comes in. We are surrounded by the stresses and the environmental issues that are challenging our immune systems. And keeping our immune systems strong is essential to maintaining a strong position in this fight. Expedition Coffee was designed specifically to not only give you that energy boost you need that will sustain you across the entire day while boosting your immune system and help maintain a mental focus throughout the day. You can find Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, Expedition Coffee at expeditioncoffee.com. And there you'll also find a full range of products that are designed to work as a full health ecosystem, all designed to reclaim your personal health sovereignty. Those products include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is one of the critical causes of sickness in our nation. You also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is a nutrient powder, giving your body a full complement of nutrients you need. Just mix it with water, drink it like a shake. Do that once a day. And Pure 47, one of the most refined silver extracts on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens that you'll encounter. The products on ExpeditionCoffee.com are all designed to give you back the strength in your immune system to not only endure the challenges to the immune system, but to dominate and to rise above to reclaim your true health sovereignty. So check out Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. I want to begin tonight with a piece that I played earlier today, just talking about true Christians. Will you stop scrolling and give me a few minutes? As I look around, I can't help but see the current world rapidly changing in front of our eyes. It's, it's becoming more and more like the, the culture I read about in Acts than ever before. I mean, if you look around at the history of America, cultural Christianity has been widespread for centuries. To some degree, most people understand the church. Most accept the Bible. That they understand the gospel. Judeo-Christian ethic has long been accepted. And I'm going to be blunt here. While the majority here in America were not and are not genuine Christians, truly just superficial ones, there has always been a kind of superficial acceptance or at least tolerance of cultural Christianity and politics and business and education and public life. But what about today in 2022? I mean, is there still an acceptance of, of the Bible and Christian values in our society? I mean, where would you say the moral majority is? Friends, it's gone. And I'm here to say it's it's no more. It's, it's not going to be returning. Cultural Christianity is being exposed for what it is. Superficial faith in Christ will not stand against this society that is turning against the God of the Bible in droves. In fact, the more biblically true Christians are and the more we speak and live what we see in the Bible, the more we are labeled as extremists and homophobic and intolerant and guilty of hate crimes. True biblical Christians are now aliens in this place. Look at me and tell me you don't think I'm extreme. I'm labeled all the time for being the radical one. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I hear, I can't believe how bold you are and how much you share. I'm thinking, aren't we supposed to be this way? I mean, is there any such thing as a radical Christian? No. There are obedient Christians and there are disobedient Christians, period. And reality check, my friends, Jesus Jesus expects obedience from his followers. The Bible commands it. And yet I look like an alien to most, and this includes many in the church. Why? All because I read this book and I, and I try to do what it says. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? It's called the Bible. 
And I do think that maybe the alien invasion that we've, they've been trying to allude to is probably us because we're going to be so foreign from these people in the way that we see the world and the way that we comply to God's law. They'll think that they'll be seeing little green men and it'll just be us. They'll just be in Delusionville. Add the 5G wave to it and they can start in meta, Metaverse and oh my goodness, I'll probably be walking around with like three heads or something. In all seriousness, we're, we're in quite a time right now and I'm going to begin here with Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. A lot of the frustration that people are feeling is a lack of relationship and trust in the Lord, in my opinion. And equally, there is a storm coming and people don't want to look at the storm. They don't want to believe it's there. And it's, it's real. And it's an irony because all it takes is a little bit of time to prep and make sure that you have a few extra things on hand. And I want to get into that a little bit tonight because of some comments that I read today. They kind of struck my heart, and there's a truth to the many of these comments. And, and one of them was that, and it was essentially in some of these comments, it was like this. I'm, many of us are on a fixed un- income, and we don't have the ability to prep. And there is truth to that, because there are people out here that are literally living not just paycheck to paycheck, but barely able to get by, if at all, and there's no excess. And that's not for everybody, but that's for many. And I think this is where we begin to open our eyes a little bit more and start to reflect more deeply, in my opinion, on where we're going. We are living currently in a world of scarcity. And it's a world that uses scarcity to divide us, to build hatred between us, and then it elevates up it in its own way because it's so easy to do. It elevates up certain people and certain groups to start calling them out and saying, you're special because you've been overlooked and these people over here have taken advantage of you. This is complete lies, but this is how the system works. And it's a real tragedy because it starts to take people and pit them against each other. And then they take groups that are completely outside of an acceptable norm. And, and that would be like the LGBTQ group that are now in a public space where their political platform is based on their gender, their genitalia, their, their sexual identity. And there's no common sense in terms of, there's nothing talking about how they're going to serve or how they're going to promote God, of course, because they're anti-God. And they lump that group right in the middle of this other melee of, of us that are all trying to scrape to get by. Within all of that, there's a, there's a real big question of where our loyalty and trust goes. And what does wealth look like? And furthermore, what does it look like for us to trust in God completely and let go of the, of the shackles that bind us over here? And that's an important component. To, and I, in my personal belief, in my relationship with Jesus, in my walk here in my life, which I'm going to share with you, I think that what we have to start doing is start redefining 
in a loving and amazing way of how we are going to live in this world. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We're in a world where it's all about me, take, take, take. And even if we look at the presidency of President Donald J. Trump, We took that presidency as a nation. I'm not going to I'm not saying specifically to anybody, but as a nation, we took that as a what are you going to do for me? When are you going to fix our country? What are you going to get me that's going to make my life easier? And as a nation collectively, out and I'm talking the movement behind President Trump collectively, there wasn't much of the let us pray for you. What can we do for you? What can we do to make your presidency greater and this country greater? We didn't do that. It was always about, there he goes again. He's going to fix it. He's taken on the media. He's doing this. Look at this great thing he's doing. He's going to fix it, make it better for us. It's always about us or me. And that's a real tragedy because it speaks pretty deeply to the type of world that we're in and what we continue to be shaped by because this is a me world. And in order for us to live very committed in that walk in Christ, we're going to have to change that paradigm. And it's not one that's easy, but it's one we have to start looking at. We need to become cheerful givers. And we need to be honoring God as he wants us to be cheerful givers. And this is challenging across the spectrum because even when we don't have a lot, we're going to have to start assessing how we can become cheerful givers. So I go back to some of those comments that I read today, and they're real. I just want to say that. They're real. People, There are people that don't have extra to be able to afford even a little bit of extra supplies. So you've heard me speak towards the fact that when we're prepping, we're not just prepping for ourselves, we're prepping for others. And it isn't about hoarding. For ourselves, it's about creating an environment where we know that we'll be able to help others as we also take care of ourselves. But I think that can go further in the sense that we most of this could be solved if we could set everybody up in a room in this little idyllic example I'm going to give you. And we were to match people and say, this person doesn't have extra, this person has extra, would you be willing to work together? I think we would find an amazing coming together to where we'd be able to connect and to support one another in great ways so that what God provides for us and in the excess that God provides for us, we'd be able to share with others to know that they're going to be okay. But see, that's just it. This world changes completely when we take this world in that direction. When we begin to look at the fact that everything that we are given is not a salary from a company, it's not because we suddenly earned a bunch of money in our 401k and now we can, or our stock investments, and now we can afford a new sports car or a brand new four-wheel drive. That's that's the wrong attitude. And even in the, the debauchery of Wall Street, what we are gaining in all of our lives is God's. It's not ours. Never has been. And if we take everything we have from that perspective, a couple of interesting things happen. 
Number one, our attachment to these things diminishes. I mentioned the story. I don't know if I'd mentioned the story on the show. I may have, but I'll give it anyway. It was about two weeks ago. My Jeep broke down. It wasn't a big deal. It was a linkage. Literally was a dollar and 25 cent part that I just didn't have. I had to order it because it wasn't available locally. And that little linkage gasket or bushing is what it was. Both, there was two on the shift linkage and both of them failed simultaneously. So the Jeep was deadlined for about five days while I waited for this dumb part to arrive. And I had a commitment to make and I, and I was thinking of getting out of it because I wasn't, I was going to drive the, the van I used to run to the dump. And I was like, I don't really want to go to the thing, go to this event in the van. And I was, it was a Sunday and I was supposed to give a sermon. And I start doing this iteration in my head about making excuses. And I got pretty heavily rebuked. I will tell you, God's words to me were pretty clear. Are you going to give a sermon or are you going to waller around on the idolatry of your Jeep? And boy, that struck me pretty hard. And in the prayers of this, it was be very clear. God has never asked any of us not to enjoy the things that he's provided because there, there's many, there's, there's immense things. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to enjoy life. But that line that we cross and we cross all cross it and we don't realize it as we cross this line because the world that we're in, everything gets identified by the things that we're attached to, by our titles, by what we wear, by what we, how we dress, how our hair is. And I'll tell you, it was a, I, I drove the van, by the way. <laughs> I was like, all right, Lord, I'm driving the van. Uh-huh. So I drove the van, and it was great. And it, it's like, who cares, right? But it was a good wake-up call for me because, look, I've talked about my Jeep. People that have Jeeps or your, whatever your thing is. I mean, I love my Jeep. I've wanted to. I've, I've wanted this Jeep for a long time, and I've, I've enjoyed it, and I enjoy driving it. But all of that said, it's just a thing, and it's God's thing. It's not mine. It may have my name on the title, but that's God's Jeep. And what I really took out of that lesson of the Jeep being deadlined for five days with a stupid bushing was a reminder to me of just that. Don't get obsessed over the thing. I gave it to you. Enjoy it. Enjoy it fully. I want you to enjoy it, in fact. But it is still a thing. Where is your love? Where is your focus? And that's literally where things get convoluted, and we all stumble in that space. Nobody's immune to it, especially in this world where everything around us is just constantly about things and idols and the latest trend. So it's a process I think we have to all walk into in our life of giving. And we talk about it, but I think it's an act, and, I, and I'm not going to get into specifics, but I'm going to tell you that I live this. It's 
part of what I do. It's part of the way I designed my life, especially after I lost everything in 2017. And giving and stewardship go hand in hand. Because when we accept that God has provided everything for us, there is nothing that we have to attach ourselves to other than our love through Christ and to the Father. And it makes life very easy, quite frankly, because we're able to recover if we lose things. We're able to enjoy things fully as they are and not be attached. And we're able to appreciate the gifts more deeply that God provides. But that's still the me world. And as I look at the world that we're in, and there's a lot of anxiety. People are very concerned. The, the, there's a lot of isolationism across the space. There's people with broken families. There's people that are trying to make two ends meet when it's imp- almost impossible, especially with the outrageous gas costs and the food that's going up. And there's going to be a lot of heartache in this. And I think it's important that we all look at our own lives and reflect very deeply on how we can become cheerful givers. Not cheerful givers where I'm going to seek out somebody, but be prepared when God throws it in your path. And as we show God the heart of the cheerful giver, God will put it in your path. And we need to seek that out. Right now, examples, high gas costs is a good one. I would, and I do, I'm constantly kind of on the lookout for when I'm driving around, if I pull up to get gas or pull up somewhere, and if I see somebody who's like I did a few weeks ago, and I wasn't able to literally get to them in time. But they literally had enough money to put in $3 of gas in their car. We all know what that means right now. That's not even a gallon of gas. And they were living in their car. And they weren't bad-looking folks. When I say that, we're not talking tweakers or something like this. This was just a couple folks. That's where it was pretty obvious what was going on. We're going to see a lot of this. And this, for, for me... I'm like, I get choked up on this, so bear with me. For me, these are very deeply emotional spaces when I see people struggling that are good people and they're so humbled that they don't even, they, they don't ask for help. That's a place in the world where we have to stand up as people, as God's children, and we have to work with one another. We are not trying to remake the same cesspool that we're leaving. We are in an exodus right now. And I believe that if we don't start modeling the type of world that we want to go into, we're not accomplishing a major part of the mission that we're in right now. I have no idea how long this exodus, this war is going to continue, and I don't even worry about it because that's God's timing. And there's a lot to be undone and a lot to be redone. And for all I know, I'll never even see a glimpse of what that next level will be like. But what I do know is that if we are walking in that place, truly being God's 
disciples, his children. He would want us to be out here and working in that space of giving as much as we can. Because what we're doing then is, it's a whole principle of paying into the paying forward. We're not taking, we're giving, and we're pushing into a forward. And what does that do? And I can get into the metaphysical side of this very easily because it's literally like a stone in the pond, but not an angry stone. Right now, this is like, where we are right now is like we're a vacuum. You go into a pond and you stick in a siphon and you're like, okay, I got some for me. And then someone else does the same and someone else does the same. Pretty soon the pond is almost dry. And we're looking around at the world right now going, how come everything's falling apart? Well, because we sucked it dry. The goodwill of who we are as the true sense of the power walk, which I would, in metaphor, the power walk of Christ, this powerful place of walking in the world as in the body of Christ is only done by a handful of people. The rest of it's about me and a lot of pulpits and too many pews and a lot of people not even filling them. And this idea of trying to build into a future, what do we want? And if we really want to live in that world that's the loving world and that world that's built on the foundation of Christ's love, if we're just sitting around waiting for Christ to return, the question I ask is, what are we expecting then? Are we expecting him to come in and give us lessons? Or rather, is this a time for us to live into that and to strive for that and let God guide us and teach us as a good father does? That's how I want to live. That's how I strive to live. And I'm not always right, by the way. And I'm definitely going to make mistakes, and I definitely will <laughs> once in a while bash my nose right into the door, and God will be there and go, how'd that feel? And I'd be like, that sucked. He's like, uh-huh. But you know what? I still love you. Now, are you ready to listen? And it's always the same. Yes, I am, Dad. Yes, I am, Father. Absolutely. Right? That intimacy that we have to build there is about building also a world which we want to live into. And so we're giving this opportunity right now where we're seeing evil and we're seeing despair and we're seeing pain and we're seeing a lot of things. And we can't fix the world. That I can we can each of us agree that we don't have within our means to fix the world and we don't have within our means to fix all the problems. But every single one of us has within our means to give something small of ourselves with the mission of having that gifted by the person that receives it, have them give something small of themselves in the future, whenever that is. That is the beautiful stone in the pond. That's when you throw that stone in the pond and it's a stone of love and you watch the ripples move out and lap gently on the shore. That's a world that we are transforming and that world isn't digging into the hostilities and hatred for these other people. We all have righteous indignation for this grooming going on, for this force feeding of us into this LGBTQ nonsense the stealing of our elections, the pilfering of our nation's wealth. 
the cutting off and diminishing of, of food, the abandonment of any social contract of, 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 of obedience to the people. We've seen all this. A massive military that gets billions of dollars each year while people are on the street and this sort of we, we shall protect and defend idea from our military while the cities are being overrun by homeless people and drugs, people being raped. I mean, what is that? That's hypocrisy at its, at its utmost. We have plenty of police officers willing to arrest common citizens for, well, you didn't pay your ticket or you wore, you didn't wear a mask. But where is that protect and serve of the community where we're literally getting in and saying we as a community as need to stand up and start doing something to help one another? Where is that? That leadership isn't there right now. But what is here is us. We have that within us. No, we don't have a badge and have a gun. Well, you might have a gun, but I mean, you don't have the you don't have the badge and the law enforcement moniker of "Do as I say, or I shall put handcuffs on you and cast thy soul into the bowels of jail." We don't have that sort of threat power relationship. But what we do have is a beautiful and intimate relationship with Father. That's an incredible relationship. And we have a loving, incredible relationship with our Savior, Jesus. And with that, we have the power to transform even in small ways. You can transform an entire lake with a small pebble. You, if you go into a pond, a big pond, and you cast a small pebble into the middle, if you can watch closely, those ripples will hit the shore. That's a phenomenal impact of one small stone. That is who each of us is. And each of us represents that small pebble. And when we're dropping it and we're giving as cheerful givers, we are transforming the entire fabric of this world. We aren't looking towards, oh, what can I get today on Amazon Prime? It is, wow, what can I do today? to lighten somebody's heart and give them a little something to transform the world. I've done these numbers. I've mentioned them before. They're pretty phenomenal. We'll start with something like this. I do one act of kindness to one person, whatever that is. That person takes it out. That It becomes two. It becomes four. It becomes eight. It becomes 16, it becomes 32, it becomes 64, it becomes 128. It becomes 256, it becomes a multiple and multiple and multiple and just in a matter of days and weeks if this is carried out, suddenly we're in the millions of people that are receiving an act of kindness. And yet everything around us is to derail us. Galatians 5, 7, 10. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. As is said, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. 
This entire system is designed to derail us off of that simple and beautiful walk with God. Everything about it is intended to throw us off the path, to cut in and keep us away from him and the mission that we're on, to be distracted, to be consumed with January 6th, to be consumed with all of these other things. And there is an insurgent element within this that is very specifically satanic and it's intended to disrupt every place it touches. And in the midst of this, we forget one another. We forget the importance of the humanness that's between us. We start to see each other with suspicion rather than seeing each other with empathy and love. And it's sad. And it's by design. Not all things are intended to go together, but God's children can walk together. We may not agree on every interpretation of Scripture. In fact, we may choose to read an entirely different version of the Bible. And we could, I'm sure, have great debates over donuts and coffee about what version is better and why one likes this and what this Scripture means. And all of it really, in the end, if we're really being honest, is just about us each expressing the view of the world by the our relationship to the body of Christ. The toe does not see the world the same way as the knee, does not see the world the same way as the elbow, does not see the world the same way as the nose. Different optical positions based on your position, and not one is superior to the other. That's how God has made us. Proverbs 3, 5, 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Our paths are ultimately built on a profound walk. Love thy neighbor as I would love myself. And it's incredible when you think about that. And it doesn't mean that it's always, because I'll always get this. When I do this with people, they'll be like, yeah, but my neighbor's a liberal. I don't care. I bet you they still like chocolate chip cookies. And if they're vegan, you can make a vegan version for them. We can break down all the resistance with kindness, and it may not even be acknowledged. That's the other thing we have to let go of, is that when you're doing gifting, you're giving from the heart as God has called you. This isn't about me. This is about what God calls us to do. And therefore, there is no ego in that. There is no me in that. There is no I in God. There is no me in God. It's as God calls us. And it's a beautiful way to just walk in this world as he calls us. And you might, you might have the most grumpy, pain-in-the-butt neighbor around. And I know of a couple people in my town that have exactly that relationship. One guy is just literally, he is obsessed with making as life difficult for everybody around him. Anything he can possibly do from shining bright lights at people's homes, putting boulders in the middle of the driveway. I'm not exaggerating either. This guy is a 
by all definitions, is a 100% asshole. What In this particular instance, I, he's not my neighbor, thank goodness. But there is a need for the community to pray for him as they work through other measures to rectify some of the legal issues, but there is a need for people to pray for him. That is a broken soul that is so in desirous need of healing and attention and validation that he's taking out his emptiness on other people. And we're not always going to get through to people. And God knows that. And sometimes those challenges are just there for us to open a door because God has a lot of work to do, and that's just simply what we need to do is do whatever he tells us, and it is not or leads us to, and it has nothing to do with a designated outcome that we are expecting. And that's the big challenge I think that we face is that too often we're trying to seek an outcome, just like where are we going? What is this exodus looking like? I have no idea. I mean, are, is it is are we like going to have a, sea open up and we're going to walk across the sea and find a new world and a new earth. Don't get me wrong. That'd be pretty cool. Especially if we left all these groomers behind. But we don't know what that looks like. But what we do know is in this walk, increasingly the fellowship that we're building with one another, there are many people that are in need of support with each other. And they're not going to call out. They're not going to like, hey, they're not going to be sitting here like we know many that would do, holding out their hand and saying, what are you going to give me? That's not who these people are because they walk proudly in this world. And they're doing the best they can. And to me, that's exactly where we need to be listening because God will guide us as need be. And as we do that, we build up this incredible fellowship, this incredible remnant gets stronger and stronger. Not because one person says, hey, look what such and such did. That's cool. It's because it's just what happens in this world that we're creating. We're not seeking to take. We're seeking to give. Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. As you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, in the sons of disobedience, among whom all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive again with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. 
For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Such amazing words. And such a beautiful place to walk. And we, it all centers on the simple place that we've embraced fully that whole principle that everything in our lives, everything we have, everything that we've been given is not of us. It is a gift of God. And when that pivot happens, when it begins with the remnant and the remnant can show the rest, those words never will so much be asked of so few by so many. It has a whole different meaning. Because as is asked, we will provide and we will lead and we will show and we will teach. And in teaching, we're teaching a new way to value one another and to live in this world. The majority of the world understands taking. The majority of the world does not understand giving. And that's something we all have to relearn and be reminded of. But in a world that gives, we aren't dealing with what we're dealing with today. In this last couple of years, there's been a lot of trials and tests before us. We've all made choices, and we've all seen the division happen. There is literally, in simple terms, there's two versions of humanity right now. There is the humanity that has embraced the idea of the vax, of the mask, and are beginning to open their eyes to the consequences of the path that they have taken. This is happening in articles and discussions as they begin to look across the aisle and say, oh, those people, those anti-vaxxers that we hated so much, how come they're healthy? And sadly, it's a very painful and brutal lesson to have learned, but it is being learned slowly. And for some, and for some, they're not. And for some, they're still careening into the pit that they chose to walk into. And there isn't much we can do about it other than to let them fall. On the other side, as we begin to walk more fully in God, and we've stayed away from the temptations to worship the temples of man, We increasingly walk deeper into that space and we shred away, shed away more and more of our idols and more and more of our sins. At least we become aware of them. And we're putting them before God to heal us and to forgive us. That constant process of humility is transforming us. But let us not forget the acts of giving. Because in all of this process, again, it's The world is very much centered on a me. And we're spending a lot of time still looking at the me and the my and the my house and my pack and my go bag and my my gas tank and my food bill and my preps and my ammo and my guns. But where is love thy neighbor? And that right there is the key to me of transforming the world. And it can happen very quickly if we're willing to be the cheerful givers. Let's pray. 
Father, we come to you tonight very humbled and just reflecting very deeply on this world that still revolves so much around the subject of me and the I, and yet we're reminded there is no me or I in God, nor is there any me or I in Jesus. Forgive us for those transgressions. We've all had them. Tonight, Lord, though, we pray just for that spark of the cheerful giver, that place to raise up and to be with each other, to share, to have the opportunities that you'll put before us to share. And we'll stumble from time to time. We do. But just please keep providing those opportunities because once we touch it once, we'll want to touch it many times. And each time we do, as you know so well, we will be transforming this world into an image closer to what you seek for us to be. Guide us, Father. Forgive us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. There is a lot to say forgiving. It's even in the word for giving. Isn't that interesting? And so it's a quest in a sense. We hold the power in our hands to change this world in such a profound way. And it only takes a paradigm shift. Uh, Trust me, I'm not confusing, just so we're clear as I wrap this up tonight, I'm not confusing pure evil. Here, we're making a delineation between pure evil and a remnant and a mass of people that are wandering and searching. There is such a thing as pure evil. And how we deal with that, that can be a whole nother night's discussion. But the most important thing is that we're listening to God and we're seeking that opportunities to be cheerful givers. And It does change things. It changes us and it changes the world. I think that's at the core of what God intended, frankly. Patriots, keep your head up up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. We need a lot of prayers for healing of this nation in the many ways and hopefully as cheerful givers. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But he is here in this, we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. And it is a crazy, insidious war. But it's also trying us in wonderful ways because it's through that war that we truly appreciate more deeply than ever that walk, that bold and fearless walk with Christ and to accomplish the mission, to occupy the land, expand the kingdom, mission forward. I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless, good night, thank you, and out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing 
Space between us will stay the same. 